1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On The Market, real estate advice that works for you. You're listening to 105.9 The Region, and welcome to On The Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host and the expert on all matters real estate is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Asif, you're in the field every single day talking to buyers, sellers. What is the real estate climate in York Region right now? You know, Tina, over the last week or so, it's really heated up, and, and we're starting to see some properties that have been on the market for three, four months now starting to sell. You're seeing a lot of sold signs in the area as you drive through now instead of just for sale. And, uh, you know, the fall market, this is when we were expecting it to pick up, and it sure has over the last week or so. That's great to hear. Good, uh, good business then. It has been. It, you know, there's a lot of people that were holding off on making their purchase. And now that they've seen that, you know, the interest rates didn't really affect it. The announcements from the government didn't really affect it. I mean, everyone is waiting for prices to drop. And as they saw, you know, prices went up 5%, 2.6%. So prices are still going up. And, uh, you know, when when is the best time to buy it was yesterday. Second best time is right now. So it's time to get off the fence and get into a home. Are you surprised by those numbers? I mean, here we are. It's the end of October. We're heading into November. Isn't this the time of year where things start to slow down? Traditionally, it is. But with the spring and summer that we had when everyone kind of sat back and was waiting for the other shoe to drop, uh, they realized that nothing was happening. The sky wasn't falling and they're back out there. So the demand was always there. It was just uh, subdued a bit. And now we're starting to see people uh, a little more comfortable with uh, the economic climate in the country and and they're starting to buy so that's great news for the toronto real estate market and uh, and for sellers and as well as buyers i mean you're not competing as much in multiple offers right now so there are still deals to be had and specifically here in the region are you seeing um a rise in single family homes in the condo market what are you seeing out there over the last week, we've seen single-family homes. I mean, the condos have been selling pretty, they've been pretty steady. Single-family homes have started to take off, and even even the luxury segment has uh, taken off over the last uh, maybe 10 days or so. So it's been uh, a huge change uh, than, you know, spring and summertime. And when you talk about single-family homes or condos, are we looking at new builds or, um, you know, resales? Because you certainly still see those cranes in the air um, across the region. See, the thing with new builds, they, they're pretty much all sold out. So when you're looking at uh, cranes in the air, I mean, you know that maybe 80, 90% of that building has already been sold. If you're looking at new builds for single family detached or, or high density townhouses or semis, those sell out within the first day or two. So the new builds will always sell out right away. What we're seeing moving now is the resale market. Okay. So here we are. It's Halloween weekend and, it's rather timely. You know, there are always horror stories in real estate, like this one from BC, about a couple all set to purchase their dream home. They find out they could be out thousands of dollars after they unknowingly relied on a mortgage broker who was no longer registered to do business. There's so many things to check off your list when you're buying a home. How do you keep track of all of the moving parts? You know, you as a buyer or a seller, you really have to do your homework on who you're working with. And, and oftentimes people will, you know, if a deal is too good to be true, it, it usually Probably is. is. And uh, you need to be careful on who you're working with. There's a lot of discount agents and, and such out there in, in the mortgage and real estate industry. And you really do get what you pay for. So, you know, the old adage, if, uh, if it's 
Tigachibichu, it really is. That that holds true in, in every aspect. So how does the the legitimate um, real estate agent help me navigate these waters? How does he or she help me make sure that I've got all of these moving parts in place and they're working well together? Usually you have, uh, you know, realtors that work with different lenders and, and different legal partners, and, and they're going to know who you should deal with. I mean, it's much better to deal with a professional than than someone who's just fly by night. And you won't get into these problems when when you stick to, you know, the professionals in the industry. So will the real estate agent then help me coordinate with a lawyer, help me find a real estate lawyer? Do I need a mortgage broker or will the real estate agent help me navigate those waters? How do I do all that? Most real estate agents will have relationships with three, four, or five different lenders and, and lawyers, and they'll be able to guide you to who can help you the best in that situation. So for sure, ask and, uh, and you'll receive a list of names and numbers that uh, you can interview and, and make sure that you're comfortable with them. I think you said something very key there. Ask. Ask the questions and make sure that you're covering all the bases. Okay, when we come back, a few more horror stories and how to avoid the grow house or haunted house. Stay with us. You're listening to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. More with Asif Khan and Remax Prime Properties when we come back. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On The Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with Remax Prime Properties. Now, Asif, just before we get to our guest, let's talk about the stigmatized home. What exactly is that? So, Tina, you know, great question. A stigmatized home is uh, a home that has been identified or a home that has had something happened within it, uh, you know, molds, floods, deaths, murders, suicides, or or even something that could be considered haunted. And, you know, a a pretty good example of what a stigmatized home would be would be a a marijuana grow up. I mean, once that has been uh, or has taken place, then you're going to have that stigma attached to it for life. Uh, In in Ontario, there is no statute of limitations. So that home is going to be stigmatized as a grow up for its life. And how do I find out then as a buyer if that home is stigmatized? Can I go to York Regional Police? Would they help me disclose or find out this kind of information? The police do have reports. Uh, however, because of the privacy laws, uh, often police will not get into it. There used to be a grow-op list that was sent out, and that would make things a lot easier. Google. Uh, you know, Google is, uh, they know they know everything. And if you Google it, you'll find out if the house has ever been uh, in the news uh, for something like that. And the people that do know it all are the neighbors. So, you know, get out and door knock or, uh, you know, stand around when you're purchasing a home and the neighbors will come up, come up and start talking to you and, and they'll share a lot of stories about the home with you. That's really good advice. Um, you know, a couple things there. Make sure that you do some homework. Google it. Um, go on the Internet. Find out what you can find out about the neighborhood and the home. And, yes, talk to the neighbors and get to know, you know, the feeling in the neighborhood. Who lives there? What do they think about the home? Have there been any issues? So that's all great advice. We're joined now by Barry Lebo. Barry's a broker with Remax and an expert on stigmatized property. Barry, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. 
Barry, we've been talking a little bit about uh, stigmatized issues in in homes and, and properties, and we'd love to get your insight on, you know, what makes a property stigmatized and how do you overcome something like that? Well, that's a very loaded question there. Um, I'll give you a little example of um, how to get rid of stigma, tear down a house. I mean, there's nothing more simplistic than tearing it down. And unfortunately, lately, I have recommended that in about four cases that I'm involved in because the cost to cure, in other words, the remediation, the, the damages, you spend all that money to fix up the house and it's still stigmatized because they haven't cured the problem. You still have to disclose the stigma runs with the property. And then you've got the problem of the province of Ontario laws. There's no statute of limitations in the province of Ontario on disclosure. So in California, for an example, if there was a murder in a house, you only have to disclose it for three years. In some of the states, United States, certain stigmas, you could, after six, seven years, you no longer have to disclose it. We don't have those laws. Our stigma is forever. So if there's a farmhouse from 1850s that's been, let's say, um, had um, mold or whatever, well, sorry, you still have to disclose that it had mold all these years later, centuries later. So, it's, it's a stupid law because there is no law. And Barry, when you go into these homes, what kind of damage do you see and what has to be, as you say, cured? Well, you know, when I started, um, I've been doing this a long time, since 1980, early 80s, when it was the urea formaldehyde scare. And um, I, was, I did over a thousand homes that had urea formaldehyde. And that was not as big an issue. People perceived the problem to be greater than the reality. But later, it started to morph into more and more different stigma cases. And the ones I seem to get the most today um, is the word mold. Now, that could be a former marijuana grow-up or water penetration, which is a very common. I, I honestly can't believe how many multiple floods um, that I'm doing for different houses. Some house, one house has nine floods. Wow. Now, would you want to buy it? I wouldn't want to buy it, a house that had nine floods. There's engineering problems. So there's where it's not so much the house is the problem. The whole lot is the problem because of the way it was um, graded, drained, engineered, anything else you want. There's a problem with the lot. And if you tore the house down, you guys still got a stigmatized property. Now, Barry, with because, with the mold issue, I mean, we're seeing, uh, you know, houses that have been identified as marijuana grow ops and things like yes. that. There's a, there's a procedure for remediation. Once a home exactly. is remediated, does that does that actually cancel out the stigma, or is that Absolutely something that also? Absolutely not. Okay. Um, I I can give you. Um, Many cases where 10 years later, there are no readings um, vis-a-vis the um, uh, mold report. Um, every test shows it's impeccable. Not a bank will lend. 10 years later, it's just, the banks just won't touch it. So you, you can't get a mortgage on it properly, and um, it, it's something to be avoided. People who buy marijuana grow-ups 
have to be prepared for the reality that they may have bought it, but who they're going to resell it to. I was going to add, that's, that's a great point. You know, you may be okay you with it. You never buy just for yourself. You always buy with the intention in years to come, who am I selling to? Correct. And so if the stigma stays, then uh, you're pretty much, you're not going to be able to sell this property, especially if the purchaser can't get financing. Even if you're paying cash for it, the purchaser may not be able to get financing when you go That's sell. correct, especially, and what happens, it's the proverbial, they move in and nosy neighbor says, I guess you knew about the murder, the suicide, the oil spill, the uh, the marijuana grow up and people go, like, they go screaming. The first thing they do is run to a lawyer. And do they have any recourse at that point? There's an argument on the marijuana grow-ups. Absolutely. And mold, absolutely. Now, murder, it's a hard, it's one of the most difficult. I've had um, murder, I'm supposed to be, quote-unquote, an expert on haunted houses, um, only because no one else has ever dealt into that area in Canada. There's never been a court case that we're aware of. I've had lawyers check. In, we're not Americans. In Canada, to go and do um, a court case on psychological grounds is not, it has to be physical. The, the courts just don't rule on, well, the house had a murder, therefore it's lost its value. We, we've never found a case. Now, we have had cases where we've got people rescinded their deals um, just before closing. But once it's closed... So the seller lied. As a buyer, then what do I need to do to protect myself? Do I have to specifically, this is what you're telling me, that I have to specifically say I do not want to purchase a home that was a grow house, that has mold, that has these kinds of water or engineering issues. How do I cover all my bases? Well, I just finished working with someone who was very specific. They would not take a house that had a murder in it. Um, psychological. I just asked the question to the sell, to the real estate agent and the seller when I was at the kitchen table. I said, look at this spins on this. This is very important. This young lady, are you familiar? Do you have any knowledge? Has there ever been a violent act in this house of an unnatural death? And um, they said, no, we've been here forever. No, a dog died. That's about it. That was about so it. So I asked the question. You ha- and I diarize. That's that's one thing. Um, going to court as many times and having as many trials as I have, when the real estate agents are being sued, I find that the majority of them have terrible notes. They don't diarize. They don't keep records of um, what they should. And it, I find that kind of amazing. Barry, uh, I've heard that uh, in Ontario, there's no law that requires the seller to provide this dis- disclosure. However, realtors being governed by you know RICO and their local boards have an obligation to provide any disclosure if they are aware of any you know stigmas. Is that true? And and why hasn't Ontario jumped in and and legislated this? Well, Quebec did. Quebec's the only one. Out of all the provinces, and um, it's an oversight. I don't think that the um, people. I don't think they've cared enough about it. And I've tried to get to people at Queens Park, and I, I basically gave up in frustration. There, it's very hard for a citizen to um, sit down with a minister and say, "Hey, this is what's necessary in Ontario. We do need stronger uh, disclosure laws. We also need a statute of limitations for fairness." 
you you take um, I come back to urea formaldehyde because it's the most common one that was known, and it was the cause the celebra. I mean, it made all the media for a long time. It's embedded in all the real estate offers. I mean, we, it was banned in the end of eighty eighty one. Um, people did all the remediation. They had to have government approved people taking it out, yet they still have to disclose. That's, that's kind of ridiculous when you think about it. And it's a, a good example is we had a home that was being sold by a realtor, and they had to disclose that it was a grow-op, and the seller actually took it off the market and put it up for sale by owner because they didn't have yeah. to disclose, but the realtor did. So, you know, uh, yeah. Scary, well, there is an argument there. about that too. I mean, would uh, would I? I mean, there's there's blatant and de- and, and and there's blatant and um, latent defects. And the argument is, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't want to cross over into legal argument. But there is many times some of my lawsuits have nothing to do with real estate agents being sued. They're after the owner, uh, the seller, I should say, or some and sometimes the home inspector too. You can't believe how many property, how many um, court cases I'm involved in where the home inspector screwed up. Well, it sounds like, Barry, you've got a litany of stories to share with us, and we're going to ask you to stick around. When we come back, we go inside the haunted home. And just a reminder, if you Mm. missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com and click on On the Market. You're listening to On the Market on 1059 The Region. Stay with us. More with Asif Khan and Remax Prime Properties when we come back. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's only radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with Remax Prime Properties. Barry, welcome back. Uh, here we're going to be uh, uh, delving into the haunted house now, and you know a lot of times we'll hear our uh, you know people say, "I think my house is haunted because the lights were flickering," and and more often than not, it's an electrical problem, not a ghost problem. But, uh... <laughs> I am laughing. <laughs> we had um, a friend of mine writes um, a national column um, on real estate law and what, and somebody had written in about this horrible haunted house that drove them out. Doors were opening and closing. Lights were flickering. Um, uh, noises in the wall. We did it. I really got into the investigation. The guy was that built it was the worst builder of all. <laughs> he, there were terrible electrical faults in the place. It was shorting. They were lucky to have a fire. He didn't put in um, expansion chambers in the pipes, so they were knocking. The doors were all off kilter. <laughs> so these people were so caught up in the fact that their house was haunted. And... Um, it's interesting. I mean, I have had people come to me with legitimate ones where there have been uh, things that go bump in the night. And um, it, it is, it's unnerving. It is unnerving. There's so, no ifs. I don't care what your beliefs are. But, but in one of my um, education programs called Selling the Haunted House, I ask people, do you believe if they're real or not? And, and then I, I let discussion. And I come back and go, it is absolutely haunted houses are real. And the reason I say that is, that, and for people listening, they may want to go online and check this out. NIAC, N-Y-A-C-K. NIAC is a famous case in the United States in New York where a woman um, perpetuated a myth that her house was haunted. People weren't told. 
they bought the house unknowing, and then in turn they sued when they found out. By local gossip, they found out. And the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court of the state of New York, I'd say that's a pretty uh, august body, declared that haunted houses are real. And the reason they did is because the public perceives them to be real. So I come back to an old saying, stigma does not have to be real to be realized. Yeah, it's on public belief. With something like so, with something like Ghostberry, how do you yes. how does a, a buyer protect themselves? Because you know, should a seller, if a seller doesn't believe that they're in ghosts or that there are ghosts, yeah. uh, how would a buyer protect themselves? Can we rely on the vacant possession clause? <laughs> let me let me ask you a question. I'll, I'll ask you a question. Are you and I getting into? T- we're both getting into a car today. Are we both listening to the same radio station and the same frequency? And it's a facetious <laughs> question on, on, on what I'm asking you, but maybe one person's tuned into it and another person isn't. I've come to that conclusion over the years. Right. I can walk into a house and the back of my neck, the hairs bristle, and you walk in and there's nothing there. You're whistling. So we feel different. But I, as much as I have my own beliefs, which are very I'm a skeptic, when I teach courses to realtors, I always say to the realtors, how many times have you been to a house? It doesn't feel right. Almost every hand in the room goes up. You've done it. You've walked in. So you've, 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 you've walked into houses that just go, ooh, this house doesn't feel good. Yeah. So is that the indicator Why? for a buyer that if I walk into a home, it doesn't feel right? What if I don't get that feeling until I've signed on the dotted line and the deal is closed? Then what? <laughs> You've got a problem. You've got a problem because there's been never been a case that we can come up with in Canada where somebody has um, got a deal. They've got won a lawsuit based on that. I mean, I'm going to be really off base here in a joke. I should, you should take a dog in your arms. If the dog starts running, you've got a problem. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like a bad movie. So that's your um, advice. One of, Well, no. My advice is I feel better for people that are religious because no matter what religion they are, they can have the house blessed. And I've seen almost every... um, I can get into story after story about some haunted houses. Okay, give uh, us one of the stories. It's Halloween weekend. Come on, you got to share one of them with us. Well, I get a call from the York police years ago that a house that I was the landlord of, there'd been a murder in my house. And I've been renting the house, and uh, they weren't the best quality guys because I was going to be ripping down the house eventually. And sure enough, there was a drug party. Somebody injected somebody. He died of an overdose. Um, I got rid of those tenants, and what happened is the house was empty. I get a call from someone who's part of in his church. They're um, uh, from Spanish-speaking group. Uh, two ladies need a place. Can we rent? Uh, can I rent them that house? Now, there were no neighbors in around this house. This house was isolated because it was in an industrial park, one of the last houses. Within a few months of being in the house, I get a call from um, the, rep- the person who called me originally and said, the ladies are hearing things in the night. Can a priest come in and do an exorcism? I said, well, you don't need my permission for that, but I'm kind of surprised. Now, here's a house. They, had, they, don't speak, they didn't speak English. There were no neighbors to tell them. 
I was under no disclosure laws that I had to say there had been a uh, this overdose death there. I guess something was going bump in the night. The exorcism was done. They never had another complaint. They were there two more years. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not Catholic, but I still... I still respect it. Now, how did they know that something was going bump in the night unless something was going bump in the night? And no, I did not go up to fix plumbing or anything. There was no, none of those noises. But, um, you know, I've been in houses that, um, I, I mean, I tell all kinds of stories when I'm teaching in the classroom about different things that have happened to me. And I'm still a skeptic because I can't put my head around it to believe it. Now, in, in Markham, uh, on Main Street, Unionville, there's lots of stories about uh, places being haunted, you know, uh, restaurants mm. that are running right now, the, the Duchess or the, the mansion uh, or, or even the old artisan restaurant. Now, how does, how does that uh, affect a property's value? Now, you know, sometimes it, it's kind of cool to go to these places and people say, oh, ah, you in hit it. a nail on the head. I was going to say, sometimes it enhances. If you've got a bread and breakfast, and you let people know that one of the rooms is haunted, that's the room they want. Oh, so it's a marketing tool. It's a marketing tool. You've got a house, um, one of the beautiful old homes that's all around, that um, upstairs is another dining room, and they say, well, there's a haunting here. Oh, let's see upstairs. People want to be titillated. They want it. They want this, this adrenaline rush. And people believe, you know, it depends on your own beliefs. I mean, there, I don't think there are too many cultures that don't believe in ghosts. I mean, it, it goes back to the beginning of time. Um, and does it exist? Doesn't it? That's up to the person. But in the meantime, what can it do to a real estate deal? Well, like I say, the first and best thing to do is get your religious leader to come in and do whatever blessings are necessary. All right. Even if you look at, uh, you know, in the region of Canada's Wonderland, they have a Halloween haunt. Look at how many people line up for something like that, and uh, and they get in there. And, you know, sometimes it does enhance the value to, to have a haunted uh, room or, or haunted place, especially for businesses. Uh, but I can see how scary that would be for if you're living in the home. Barry, thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, we look forward to having you on again. Well, my pleasure always, and thank you very much because... I, I'll tell you this, um, this part of what I do, uh, the stigma, the, the ghosts and all, I love it. I find it quite fascinating, so I'm glad I could share. For Terrific, sure. Barry. Thank you very much for joining us for this Halloween edition of On the Market. That was Barry Lebo, a broker with Remax Ultimate. And us, if we only have a few minutes left to take questions from our listeners, let's start with this one from Pat in Woodbridge. Pat says, I'm noticing quite a few signs in my neighborhood of homes for lease. What does that mean for my own property value? Should I sell? Pat, great question. You're seeing a lot of homes for a lease come up because uh, the people may have purchased another property and moved into it, and they want to hold on to their property as an investment, and they're leasing it out. It's a great way for them to build their real estate portfolio. You're you're also seeing, uh, you know, some people that uh, are taking advantage of the the subway being built in Vaughan or the university coming up in Markham, and they've purchased these properties to make some money off of it. So. There's a lot of equity in homes in the region right now, and to be able to 
you know, take some of that equity and purchase an investment property is a great idea. And then you're renting it out. So the rent is going to cover the mortgage payments. So you're going to see a lot more of this. There's such a huge demand for affordable housing in the area. It's a great time to do this as well because there is a demand for rentals. So you're, you're going to see a few more leased properties and, uh, and the demand is there to satisfy that. Now, multiple rental properties in a neighborhood, does that not affect property value? It really depends on how much, like if you're close to a subway, you're going to have multiple rentals in that area because you have a lot of people that want to live near the subway. So, uh, you know, some of the the highest appreciation areas uh, have had rental properties in it because you've got the amenities to assist with the value appreciating there. Now, Pat also asked, should, you know, should I sell? What do you think? If Pat doesn't need to sell or, or I mean, if I mean, it's, it's a loaded question because, Pat, if you want to take that equity that you've built up in the home and move up to another home, that's one way, one thing to look at. But, you know, if you want to take the equity in your home, purchase another home, maybe lease it out, I wouldn't necessarily sell it because your area is continuing to appreciate Okay, Asif, we have another question from Peter in Nobleton. Um, There is a great deal of new construction happening in this area, and he wants to know if this is a good time to sell his older home, probably with a bit larger property on it, too. With the newer homes, you are going to get a smaller lot. However, you're going to get a newer home. There's less maintenance. It's kind of like when you when you have an older car and, you know, what's the best time to, to trade it in and, and go to a newer model? Uh, you know, less maintenance. Uh, you're, you're always going to, uh, your lot is going to appreciate because that's the one thing that they're not building more of its land. So if you're on a huge lot, your property's always going to go up in value. But it's uh, it's a personal decision. It's uh, if you want to move into a newer home, it would be a great time for you to sell because quite often you'll get a lot more for your property on the large lot and and be able to move into a newer home and maybe have some cash left over. So you hear this a lot, you know, you you sell high, you're going to have to buy high, right? If you sell, if you're selling and buying in the same market, then you know it's a trade-off because you're going to sell high and buy high, or you're going to sell low and buy low. So you know, unless uh, or the real estate market is very difficult to time, it's not like the stock market. So you know, uh, you're always going to be selling and buying in the same market if you're going to be moving into a different house. Okay, that's terrific. That's our show for this week. Thank you, Asif. We'll catch up again next week. Um, sorry, take two. That's our show for this week. Thank you, Asif. We'll catch up again next week. If you missed any part of On the Market, go to our website, 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. You can connect with us on Twitter at 1059theregion, or you can call us at 416-335-1059, or email info at 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. This is 1059 The Region.